0: that's continuing a an incident that we looked at 2 weeks ago with King Ahab and this is a encouraging principle here that I that I see today and and we'll show you what it is here in a little bit in 1 Kings 20 1 Kings chapter 20 and we'll read the we'll read this passage um and we will remind you of what's going on here in it. And I'll just tell you right now, we're, the, this, this passage, the, the basic subject is op- about opportunities that God brings our way. It's about opportunities which God brings our way. That's the basic subject, and we're going to narrow it down here to a principle. And notice First Kings, let's look at verse 28. First Kings 20, verse 28, there had been two battle, there had been one battle that Ahab had with a bully named Ben-A- Ben-Hadad. Ahab was not a good king. He was the king of Israel, though. And Ben-Hadad was the northern Syrian uh, king. And he came in. He's basically bullying them. And God enabled Ahab and Israel, the minorities, outnumbered, to beat the, the innumerable, uh, uh, highly numbered, I should say, Syrians. And so now they're going to come at him again. The Syrians are going to come back. And notice some of the things that are said here about that. Verse 28, there came a man of God and spake unto the king of Israel. He's preparing him for the second battle. And he said, thus saith the Lord, behold, because the Syrians have said, in the previous, at the end of the previous battle, because the Syrians have said, the Lord is God of the hills, but he is not God of the valleys. Therefore will I deliver all this great multitude into thine hand, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So here we go. They're getting ready for the second battle. And it said, verse 29, they pitched one over against another seven days. And, it, and so it was that in the seventh day, the battle was joined. And the children of Israel slew of the 700,000 footmen in one day. Now, the children of Israel are probably only around 7,300, around that figure. They slew 100,000 footmen, the Bible says, in one day, wow, look at verse 30, but the rest fled to Aphek into the city, and there fell a wall upon 20 and 7,000 of the men that were left. And Ben-Hadad fled and came into the city into an inner chamber. So there's a second battle, Israel, who's outnumbered, they look like two little flocks of kids, little little small groups of goats against this vast number of Syrians. When they fight Israel, still this hell happens today. They're outnumbered by so many people around them. Uh, They beat them. They beat 100,000 in one day, and then probably a day or so later, God causes this wall to fall on, as it says in verse 30, 27,000 more Syrians. But the key thing that you want to see is, look at the end of verse 30, Ben-Hadad leaves, he runs away. So the king is still alive. He came into the city into an inner chamber. Now, let's notice there's a conversation that goes on. We get a peek in on a com- private conversation he has with his servants. Look at verse 31. His servants said unto him, okay, these guys, are, their tails are between their legs, so to speak. Behold now, we have heard that the kings of the house of Israel are merciful kings. Let us, I pray thee, put sackcloth on our loins and ropes upon our heads and go out to the king of Israel. Peradventure he will save thy life. So they girded sackcloth on their loins and put ropes on their heads and came to the king of Israel and said, thy servant Ben-Hadad saith, I pray thee, let me live. And he, that is Ahab, said, is he yet alive? He is my brother. So they're sweet talking Ahab here. and Ahab's going right for it. Now the men did diligently observe whether anything would come from him and did hastily catch it. And they said, thy brother Ben-Hadad. Then he said, Go ye, bring him. Then Ben Hadad came forth to him and caused him to come up into the chariot. So there's, they had this battle. Israel just did a hard punch in the face to this massive army. The king's fled and his servants, and then the king and his servants come back, and they're all humbled. Hey, can you just be merciful to us? And, you know, I'm your brother. And, and Ahab says, Yeah, my brother. Is you okay? Are you okay? He was supposed to do something there, he's supposed, he supposed to have killed him. And so these guys exploit the unauthorized mercy of Ahab, and so now they're, they're chummy. Look what it says. It caused them. Look at the end of verse uh, thirty-three. Ben Hadad came forth and caused them to come up in my chariot. Come up in my chariot. Let's go for a ride. Ben Hadad, the enemy king, says to the speaks to the Ahab. The cities which my father took from thy father, I will restore. Thou shalt make streets for thee in Damascus. Hey, we'll, you know what? We'll name some streets after you in my country, and, and we'll give back yeah. these cities here. As my father made in, Sam, in Samaria. Then said Ahab, I will send thee away with this covenant. So he made a covenant with him and sent him away. So they have this little chummy agreement, and, and he goes away. He's gone. Ben-Hadad is gone now. Ahab will never have him that close again. Now, this always happens, it's kind of like, but there was a man of God who needed to go to Ahab, There's kind of a paraphrase here, and that's what happens, look at verse 35, and a certain man, this is kind of a twofold moment here, it's interesting, a certain man of the sons of the prophets, he, it means he was a prophet, said unto his neighbor in the word of the Lord, smite me, I pray thee, and the man refused to smite him. Then he needed, a, he needed an instant bodily illustration and the guy didn't help him. Then he said unto him, Because thou hast not obeyed the voice of the Lord, behold, as soon as thou art departed from me, a lion shall slay thee. And as soon as he was departed from him, a lion found him and slew him. I'm going to try to comment on that again later. Verse 37. Then he found another man and said, Smite me, I pray thee. He's saying, I need somebody to hit me and God wants somebody to hit me in the face because I need to have some injuries to show to somebody. Part of my message. So the guy's like, maybe this guy's like, I have been waiting to do this. But he didn't, he it actually needed to be out of obedience. The man smote him, it says in verse 37, so that in smiting him, he wounded him. This is one time when a guy's glad he gets hit. It's part of his illustration, verse 38. So the prophet departed, he has his injury, he's got to meet the king. It says he waited for the king by the way. Disguised himself with ashes upon his face, so he's he's kind of doing. This is a dramatic presentation here, and as the king passed by, he cried unto the king and said, "Thy servant went out." This is called a this is the this is the soldier prisoner of war parable here. Thy servant went out to into the battle, in, into the midst of the battle, and behold, a man turned aside and and brought a man unto me and said, "Keep this man." If by any means he be missing, then shall thy life be for his life, or else thou shalt pay a talent of silver. That'd silver be about a hundred pounds of silver, almost unattainable. And as thy servant was busy here and there, he was gone. And the king of Israel said unto him, eh, So shall thy judgment be, thyself hast decided it. And he hasted, and took the ashes away from his face, and the king of Israel discerned him that he was of the prophets. And he said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, because thou hast let go out of thy hand a man whom I appointed to utter destruction. Therefore thy life shall go for his life and thy people for his people. And the king of Israel went to his house heavy and displeased and came to Samaria. So the basic principle here is this, we'll say it, that God is often, God is often, I think is a general rule for certainly every Christian and often even unsaved, God often brings us opportunities that are within our grasp, and we'll look at the types of opportunities. God's often bringing us opportunities within our grasp, but we must be wise in seizing them. That's the principle. God brings opportunities to all of us, young and old, and we need to be wise in seizing them. How many of us saw Halley's Comet? I think I've mentioned this before, and I sound old every time I start talking about it. Okay. And it comes every, what, 75 years? Something like that? I remember when I was like sixth grade, and I thought I saw it with the naked eye. And then I remember, it was like a week or so later, I said, oh, you won't see it again for another 75 years. And I was like, oh, let's see. What am I, 11? Oh, 86? Maybe I'll be that. So maybe I'll see it again. And even if I have bad eyesight, I'm sure there's good telescopes or something that will help me that opportunity doesn't come very often right um, Rusty sometimes works with uh, you know steel and do a little forging sometimes just for fun okay um, if you have some steel and it's cold now they have thin cold roll steel that's a different story but your typical bars of steel and stuff like that it's not going anywhere but when it's heated up to the certain temperature usually cherry red hot now there's the opportunity to bend it and mold it and then quench it and harden it and all that stuff there's a process you don't just take steel I mean even this is some uh, square uh, stock steel here that stuff right there. they may have had a bender but a lot of times it takes heat to to bend something and then when it cools it's it and a lot of times there's there's things around us that just seem like iron cold iron and I don't you can't move it you can't change something but sometimes God heats up something where you can change something, you can bend something. Sometimes God brings a Haley Comet around your way where you can see it. My boys, Noah and I, see Noah, John, James, and Grant, we went to the the older Hohokam Stadium where the A's now play off of Center Street, north of Brown, and um, or is it McK- Yeah, it's north of Brown. And uh, we... We went to, what, two months ago. We wanted to see a spring training game. We watched the Oakland A's play the Dodgers. And Dodgers is a pretty good team. And so that was pretty neat. I had, a, I had an opportunity on my schedule. I'm like, okay, I got this time. We, got a little, we had a little bit of, God bless, with a there was an offering that came in that I didn't expect that helped us. I'm like, this is going to buy us some spring training tickets. And where did we eat, Noah? Oh, the Chinese buffet place. Yes. It's what you do on man day. That's what it is. They're like, Dad, we do about one or two of them a day. It's man day, and he's just the man, the men, little man, you know. Do man stuff, and so which usually involves eating something that was killed. So, so anyways, uh, so we went to it and watched the ball game, and I'm like, and I was I was really praying. I was like, Lord, because Noah and and Jimmy a little bit, not so much John. He just wanted to be there and look cool, and so uh, and uh, you know Jimmy Noah definitely and Grant we want to get an autograph can we go buy a ball and i was looking at the price of a really an official mlb ball i was like that's kind of expensive so we just bought kind of a cheap something you know from walmart but hey it's enough you got that you got a sharpie we're going to try to find one of these guys it was hard to get access to them before the game but i was trying to do some research of where where do they usually go after the game and because there's these little windows of time i did this when i was a kid there's windows of time to catch these players at these spring training games to get some autographs, and it doesn't just come around anytime. So I was doing research, and, and i went, okay, guys, I, have, I heard that there's a spot over here on the right field by the end of this gate at this thing, and they park this bus, and at this about 30, 45 minutes after the game ends, they'll walk there, and you'll usually be able to see the – this is just for the away team, which is the Dodgers, and so I got it all calculated. I'm like, okay, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go over there toward – in fact – we're going to go there right at the uh, top of the ninth inning. And we're going to go ahead and stage ourselves. And we did it. They waited 30, maybe 40 minutes. They just hung out right there. And we're and then all of a sudden these other little little dudes are coming around with their pens and their balls and their baseball cards and stuff like that. And we're waiting by this gate for them to walk up. And uh, the boys, three of the boys had a good spot. And um, and I was just kind of standing there. I told them what to do. I said, hey, you, you say... If you don't know their name, you say, sir, can I have your autograph, please? Or if you know their name, you say, Mr. So-and-so, can I have your autograph, please? And, and hold it out there and be aggressive, you know, and, um, and you'll probably get something. Well, that means when the, while the game was going, a real a blessing happened. There was, so, I don't know, there was probably 3,000 people there. There may have been all of 30 different foul balls and different things that went over. Grant got a ball. Uh, was it a foul ball or they threw it over, huh? They threw it over because I was like going to the bathroom or something. I came back and they're like, Grant's got a ball. And Grant's like, yeah. you know, he got a ball. So that's an official one. And he got that one signed, didn't he? Did he get that one signed? Okay. And so anyways, so the game, towards the end of the game, I had the boys over there. And sure enough, they're reaching over and some of the players came up and they each of them got a signature. And that was nice, wasn't it? And they had a short window of time to, to, to engage one of these guys and get them to sign. And I don't even know. These guys are. They don't sound famous to me. I think one of them, huh? One of them actually played in the game. (laughs) See, what happens is, what happens is, see, if you don't know spring training games, you're going to get some no-namers there, like from the farmland, and they they may or may not be anything. Hopefully, we'll see what happens. So they had that opportunity, and I wanted to teach them, you got an opportunity to get it, get their signature. And um, and so that's what they did. and, and, and then me as a dad, there was opportunity in the sense of a parental thing. I'm like, I, this is a, this is a point in the message we'll look at. You know, if you're an older parent, you're like, I wish I could go back and take my kid to an extra ball game. If I had time, I would do one more camping trip. If I had another moment, I would sit down a little longer. You know what I mean? There's always that thing. I'm like, I'm glad I took the time to go to a spring training game with these dudes and uh, try to create some frequency to that. And uh, that's an opportunity for this dad. But here, again, this, let's go to the Bible, the Word of God here. God is teaching this principle for Ahab. Let's quickly run through it again, run through the story. Ahab, he's not a good king, but God is honoring this, his country in defending it from this bully, Syria. Syria comes and bullies them, and they lose that first battle, even though Israel is outnumbered. Syria goes home, and their guys are like, hmm, you know, their God, he's the only kind of God in the hills. He's not the God of the valleys. They think God is the, Israel's God was like this instead of he's the God of all. So they told the king, let's go back with the same size army and go at them and get these other kings out of the way. All they like to do is drink and stuff. And so they, they went back at it, and God came to Ahab with, through the word of the Lord. He says, listen, since they said that, since they said that the Lord God of Israel is only God of the, valley, only God of the hills, not the valleys, since they said that, we're going to win this one. And so for God's own glory, he saw to it that they would win. So Ahab's like, okay, then. And, and Ahab again has, a, it was like 7,000 uh, soldiers and then like 200 and something princes, and again, they were a small group compared to then the, the huge, massive group of Syrians, and as we read, they won, they beat 100,000 footmen and one day were killed, and then soon after that, 20-something thousand had a wall falling on them near a city. Next thing you know, Ben-Hadad and some of his servants are hiding, and you have this little army that w- w- wins. It's like a many David and Goliath scenario. And Hadad, hey as we read, and his servants said, you know, we heard they're merciful kings. Let's go to them. Oh, you know, we're so sorry. We, you know, and, 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 and Ahab's like, oh, is he okay? Is he okay? He's my brother. we got to be careful about showing. We need to be merciful people, but there's moments in life where we don't have the authority to show mercy. Like if you're in a legal scenario, and you have to deal with law and order and stuff. It's like, I, I don't, it's not my place to show mercy. It wasn't his place to show mercy to this guy. God had announced that this would be delivered in his hand, and they, they, he was to die. But the guy came. He showed mercy to him. He said, come up in my chariot, And they're riding along. And Ben-Hadad said, you know, we took some cities from you. We'll give them back. And by the way, we're going to put your name on a couple of streets in Damascus. And he's like, you know, that sounds pretty good. I'll let you go. We got an agreement. That's good. And he let him go, and he was gone. And as we said, there was one of the sons of the prophets. God told him a word. He says, because he needed to go confront, as we saw, we needed to go confront the Ahab. And he, he tells him, he goes, God says, thus saith the Lord, smite me in the face. Hit me in the face. God wants you to. And the guy wouldn't do it. He said, all right, when you're going you're gonna to go out and die. You're going to be killed. By the way, that's a mini sample of actually what Ahab was. Ahab was supposed to smite, no matter how he felt, toward this homie, right. that maybe there were some relation. I don't know because you don't know. Anyways, no matter how he felt about En-Hadad, he needed to do what God said, regardless of his feelings about it, and he wouldn't kill him. Same thing with this guy. It's kind of a mini example in this young prophet, or maybe maybe young, but he says, you're supposed to smite me, hit me in the face now. He says, no way, I don't want to do that. All right, then. When you go out. What does it say exactly? The um, uh, uh, yeah, a lion's going to kill you as soon as you departed from. Him, a lion found him and kill him. Then he goes to the next guy. The Lord says for you to smite me. Yes, guy hits him. You know, punches him in the face or whatever it was, and does it, Maybe he does two of them. I don't know what he does, but he hits him. And he goes his way, and he's all he's all done up and everything ashes, and and he's waiting. And then the king comes by. Oh, oh, king, king, king! I got to tell you a story. I was, I was, we were the battle. Raging and, and one of the soldiers had a guy he apprehended and he came over to me and he says, Hold this man and take keep this man captive and watch him. And if he lets if you let him go, then your life is gonna go for his life, or you'll have to pay a talent of silver, which is an immense amount of money. And so so King I that happened and, and as I was I was busy here and there, I got busy doing this and that and doing this and that and doing this and that. The guy, the guy, the guy was gone. And he left. So, so what, what? What should happen to me? What should happen to me? And the king's like, you already said it. Basically saying, you already so told. Either you die or you pay the town of silver. You already said it. And it's like the king probably was about to go on his way, and then the guy goes, and he was looking at him. And the king's like, well, wait a minute. You're one of the sons of the prophets. And that's when he says, I'm paraphrasing. God said you were supposed to kill this man that he delivered to you, and you didn't. So your life is going to go for his life. And that was bad news for Ahab. That was sad. And by the way, to tell you the rest of the story, there's some interesting things about Ahab. But the way his life ended was later on, Israel was fighting the Syrians again. And the king of Syria was leading that. And Israel was teamed up with a man who shouldn't have teamed up with him, Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat wasn't disguised. He looked like a king, and Ahab was disguised. I don't want anybody to see that. It's me out here. And Syrians started chasing Jehoshaphat. That's the king of Israel. And Jehoshaphat's like, Wah! And they're like, oh, that's not the king of Israel. Where is he at? They couldn't figure it out. And the Bible says, Syrian just was like, oh. He pulls a bow at an adventure and just goes, think, And he just shoots the bow though he was disguised, all of a sudden he gets hit, and he was bleeding, and he dies in his chariot. In fact, I think it says it towards the end there of chapter 22, he dies. Verse 34, a certain man drew a bow at a venture and smote the king of Israel between the joints of the harness. So he was armored, but it got right through there. Wherefore, he said unto the driver his chariot, turn thine hand and carry me out of the host, for I am wounded. And he did die. He died in his chariot. The blood ran out. The dogs licked the blood out of the chariot. So he died. It's interesting. The man he thought he was going to be chummy with ended up bleeding in a battle to come back to bite him. cost him his life. So this is about opportunity. Notice Notice the language here. Look again at verse 39. As the king passed by, he cried unto the king, this prophet, this is in his parable story to him. He said unto him, thy servant went out into the midst of the battle and behold the man turned aside and brought a man unto me and said keep this man. Look at verse 40. And as thy servant was busy here and there he was gone. He was gone. It's like God brings us opportunities like he brought Ahab. Ahab didn't deserve this. He brought him this opportunity to win two battles and kill this king. Here you go. He didn't deserve it. Brought him to him. And he's like, huh, busy here and there. Maybe it was only in his mind. And the man was gone. And it, it was it was an expensive mistake. The Bible says, let us walk wisely, not as fools, redeeming the time, for the days are evil. Um. Let me ask this question. Let's answer it. What kind of opportunities might God bring us? Because you're like, too bad for Ahab, but I'm not an Ahab. I don't go to battle and have stuff like that happen. But God still delivers things our way, positive or negative, that we have to respond wisely to, that we didn't deserve. What kind of opportunities might God deliver to us? We'll look at four, pardon me, five opportunities. We'll go through these. Five opportunities that God might, just like as if you were Ahab, God might say, here you go, what are you going to do with this? Five opportunities God may deliver to us that we have to respond wisely to. The first one, the first type of opportunity is, is basically like what's happening in this text. The first thing is, number one, God delivers us. God often brings us, brings us the opportunity, watch this, to destroy a harmful influence, that's the actual literal thing that's happening here here's ahab and he says here you have the opportunity now to destroy this bad influence right now on you and on your country an opportunity to destroy an harmful influence how many of us have opportunities to indulge in a harmful influence um probably everyone we have opportunities to indulge in things that are harmful influences. Now, watch me. I want you to think about this. God is good to us. God is often gracious to enable us to, to overcome bad things because He's just gracious. There's all kinds of vices and attachments and addictions and allurements and all sorts of everything, chemical, uh, in a, all types of, of a whole range of stuff that's harmful to us that we battle with and somebody may be battling with now but there's a God of grace that's gracious to us pathetic Ahab's to say yeah, you can be delivered of this the Bible talks about there's no temptation taking you but such as common to man but God is faithful will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able but make a way of escape And and he's He's, he's, we can go to the throne of grace and great, find grace to help in time of need. Think about this. Okay, you ready? Here's an example, Old Testament example. What happened with Saul? Didn't Saul do something here? He had to go to battle and utterly slay all the what? The Amalekites, right? And he really didn't do that. He had an opportunity to utterly slay them all because they were not a good influence. They had their opportunity. They had their chance with God. It was over. But what did he do? What did he do? What did he spare? What is it? Who? Agag, that's the main thing I wanted to point out, and then all the good stuff. He spared Agag. And I believe when you read in the book of Esther, Esther 3 1, when it mentions this Persian, he's in Persia at least, this man in Persia, Haman, who's an Agagite, gives him a lot of problems later on. It came back to fester and bother Israel now God gave them victory over that okay look quickly let's go look in Psalm 101:8. you can hold your place if you'd like but uh, Psalm 101 verse 8 I, I was reading this the other day as I was going through the Psalms David's really determined in this psalm I will set no wicked thing before mine eye I hate the eyes I hate the work of them that turn aside it shall not cleave to me look what he says in verse 8 Psalm one hundred and one, verse eight: I will early destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord. This is this is what David. I don't know if he's a king yet or what. Maybe he's determined as a young person who's going to be king. And I'm not going to tolerate um, uh, mischief and wickedness in the land. I'm going to cut it off early when I have a chance to to get it down. I'm going to get it down and get it get rid of it right now. We. I've had these moments and I gotta get on top of it again. But so this is your pastors thinking, my boys and I maintain the property. And when it's rain when it rains, I'm like, oh no, weeds are coming. You know. So what we try to do is we try to spray the gravel, gravel road, all these gravel spots, even this part that belongs to the city, because we don't like seeing it, we spray that with this pre-emergent. And we spray all the gravel and let it soak in. And usually it helps put it off for two or three months. So the little seeds that are dry seeds right now in the ground waiting for water, when they get sprayed, it's kind of like they're neutralized. And then we get our grandkids get cancer later because it goes down to the water table. So anyways, but anyways, that's uh, another steal. But, you know, I'm trying to, I'm like, okay, this is the chance to, because remember we had all this rain in the spring. I was like, oh, I didn't get the pre-emergent down. Oh, like we're going to get it down now. And so we did have we did have one of the landscapers help spray one round of it. I think I'm going to do another round, and just for good measure. And so it's like when you have the opportunity to put down something that's harmful, do it. God brings those opportunities our way. If you have an opportunity to quit a sin, to quit something, to quit drinking, to quit drugs, to quit porn, to quit that relationship, and you feel like God's given me the then do it. Take that opportunity to destroy it while you can. You have that bad uh, movie, that bad media. There's a garbage right next to it. Throw it in right now. Don't hang on to it because it may come back to bite you. God brings opportunities to, for us to forsake sin. Number two, God brings opportunities. He brings along captive audience. Opportunities, number two, to describe the gospel. Opportunity to describe the gospel. He delivers unto us. God delivered in Had to Ahab. Sometimes God delivers a captive audience to you and I. A captive individual. Yesterday, Noah and I were visiting over here by Guadalupe and Gilbert. And, you know, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to get visiting. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. We started going to talk to a few people. And this one lady stood out. And she just started standing there and listened. I talked, and she just kept listening. I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep talking. I'm going to ask her some questions. And we gave the gospel and said this, you know, tried to help her see that Jesus Christ is a real person, and he cares about her, and he wants her to know who he is. And we just kind of tailored this gospel of Jesus right to her. And she just kept listening. And I'm like, we're going to just keep talking then. So we eventually had to end the conversation and got our address and stuff, try to write our note and encourage her and her boyfriend to get, to get to church and to follow up with some more gospel witness. But God brings opportunities. He, has a, he captivates people. Sometimes I'm not always faithful with somebody. I, sometimes I have somebody captive to listen to me and I just kind of dismiss it. I remember one time I was having a grumpy day at work, with my dad. This is years ago, not because of my dad, but uh, <laughs> but I was just kind of having a grumpy day. And um, it was toward the end of the day, and there was a there was a guy. He was a Mormon guy named Dave Millet, and uh, we were doing something for him, and and uh, we he'd come every now and then just check on his job, and and uh, <clears throat> and it was toward the end of the day, and he came. He was chatting with me and chatting. With me, and I was just kind of like, all right, you know, kind of want to go my way. And, he kept chatting with me. He kept asking me, I said, well, what do you, because I just got back from college. I mean, I was going to school locally. And he's like, so you go to a Bible college? I was like, yeah, yeah, I go to a Bible college. And then, and I'm like, and, and I just kind of was not minded. And then he asked me another question. asked me, and then I was just kind of like putting him off and putting him off. And then I realized later on he went and got in his car and drove away and came back, you know, later on to check on his car when it was, or get his car when it was done. And I'm thinking that little moment, like, why did I do that? I should have stopped. This guy was asking me questions, and my boss would have been okay if I talked a little longer. <laughs> I should have just stopped. Yeah, I do go to Bible college. It's a Baptist college, and and the guy was listening. I should have I should have uh, capitalized on that. He delivered a man unto me, and I didn't. There's been other times I did, and I'm not perfect. I remember we told you before. There's a guy he was fumbling with his lock right here at the post office. He couldn't get his bike unlocked and I went over and helped them or something. I think I had Gideon and Michael with me or something on a Saturday. I walked over and talked to him. He's a Vietnamese foreign exchange student living with a Mormon family. And he started standing there and I said, where are you from, Vietnam? He goes, oh, yeah, I know a guy in Vietnam. It was at the time Mike Sands. I said, I got some pictures over him on the wall when we had the missions thing. Oh. Really? let may go see? And so he started walking. I'm like, yeah, come on in. So he, come, on in, come on He comes. He he's like looking, wow. He starts asking me all these questions. He had good English and everything. And then he comes in here and sits down and, and starts talking. He literally did this. I told you this before. He literally did this. So what does it mean to be a Christian? He just did that right there. Well, alrighty then. And so I got I had the dry erase board right behind me. We're in junior church. Here we go. You know, I just did a little gospel. I'm like, that's great. I and you gotta think you got to think, just the ladies saying the song, in all their ways acknowledge him. Ah, oh, God just did this. God just delivered this guy to me. So I need to not let him go. Yeah. Okay, I'll at least tell you what the deal is. And he started asking me some questions from a Mormon angle because was living with a Mormon family. And I just gave the gospel and left it at that. That was my responsibility. And I'm just saying, oh, uh, we get opportunities to speak at a funeral speak to an individual to whatever brother Adam's got to give a; he's going to give an address at the uh, commencement of Tri Christ City Christian Academy this Friday night he's got an opportunity to encourage the students and get a little gospel plug in there God does that he delivers those things number two he get, or number three he, he delivers us opportunities to develop children he brings those little critters our way for a little time right not for long. They think it's forever. Oh, I'm going to do this forever. I'm going to make my bed all the time. You know, no, you're not here forever. Trust me, it moves. It goes quick. They bring you for a little while. And I have opportunity. There's words in the Bible that describe those things. Like, while they are tender, children are tender. While there is hope, raise them and discipline them. Like a tree early on does get that. Help it grow straight, and I know we all fail in different regards and all that, but while you got it, while you got them, do it. I remember moments with my own mother. I mean, little things. I was telling somebody the other day, they were talking about something. I said, You know, my mom said this, this, and this to me one time, and I never forgot it, and it guided my belief. I, I can't, I, it was like something pertaining to uh, something in um, back to this conversation here. But it was just a few things mom had said. I thought, oh, that's right. I'll tell you that. I'm going to believe that. And mom, moments like that helped influence me. You have little windows of time where God delivers those kids to you in a classroom or in your home. Well, I'm going to steward that. Number four, we have what else opportunities does God deliver to us? Number four of five points. Number four, opportunity to do good. Now, this this, this passage has more of a negative angle to it, but we can see that God it also gives us opportunities to do good the bible says in galatians 6 10 as we therefore have opportunity let us do good unto all men especially they who are of the household of faith oh let's think about that as you have opportunity hey guys as you have an opportunity to be a blessing to your wife do it there may come a day when you're going to go like this and you won't be there to put your arm around her she may die before you and the vice versa, I don't know if the ladies will be happy if their husband, I'm not sure, but there's times where your a spouse may go before the other. You know, it'd be nice if you went at the same time. But as you have opportunity, do good to your spouse, do good to your kids, do good to the brother or sister here in church. Today did it smell like onions coming in here today? Yeah. That's the Spanish ministry, brother Jose, after the service today. I said, I was trying to catch up with him and I said, you know, what's going on? We try to catch up. And he goes, Brother, is it okay? He said, we're going to do, one of the brothers in the church is a chef, and he actually has like this mobile thing where you can cook tacos on a grill and all that, which I need to think about that. I'm going to do something with this. But anyways, uh, he, he said, brother so-and-so is going to bring this, and we're going to do tacos. And we've invited different people and friends. They come, and if they buy it, the money's actually going to help this family that has this medical need. There's another family friend that's associated with one of the families here That has a medical need or there's some crisis. And the Spanish ministry says, we want to be a blessing to them. We want to give them a gift or some money or something. But we're going to do it by raising the money. So they cook the tacos. The church members and attendees come and their friends. And apparently they ate tacos and bought some for whatever price. and They collected the money. They're going to go help give it to this family. I was like, that is great, brother. We need to do that more often. And so do we. Things like that. That's creative times to be a blessing to somebody. That's what God says. So as we have opportunity, let us do good unto all men. <clears throat> um, you do do that, and you're a blessing to people. My wife, when we had Mrs. Flannery and Mr. Flannery, there was moments where Mrs. Flannery just looked at the family like her kids and our kids like her grandkids, and some of you all, too. She'd give out gifts, I know, to the Cicillinies and stuff, and, and I remember those times Deb's limited sometimes in her energy and her time. But there was moments where she's like, you know what? I need to go over there. I want to help her organize something in her house. And she did. And again, Deb's extra time is not, you know, she doesn't always have that, but she did. And and there was other moments where Deb just tried to just do something to to just extend a um, a blessing to her. And then, of course, she gets COVID and she gets tested, found out she had leukemia anyways, and she died quickly. And I know Deb was glad that she, you know, redeemed those moments. Same thing with... You know, your parents and loved ones around you. I've seen my dad having an issue. And my dad's been around, quite frankly, like, man, he's he's around a while here. You know, we're no, he had this, uh, he's got emphysema. He's got this issue there in his uh, esophagus. I'm like, I don't want to take my dad's presence for granted or my mother. You know, I want to do good as, as I have opportunity. God delivers them to me. I want to be a blessing as I have opportunity. Sometimes you don't. But we have to steward. And last of all, and this, is, this can't go without saying, we have to say this. What kind of opportunity might God bring? God might bring the opportunity for a person to decide for Jesus. See, sometimes we have the idea of, oh, I'll, I'll do Jesus when I'm ready. Maybe. I'll do Jesus when I, when I want to. You know, there's a, there's a mutual working to accepting Christ. Did you know that? He works on you. He, he, he convicts you. He draws you. It's not just like, oh, when I'm ready, I'll, I'll, I'll call you when I'm ready. It's not necessarily like that. There's a dual moment here that I believe is the will of God, the will of man, God drawing, man responding. Let's look in John 12. John 12, 35. Jesus said this to the audience who listened to him. People listened to Jesus. They followed Jesus. They ate the food that he had multiplied and the fishes and all that. They had all the earthly benefits of being around Jesus, but it didn't do any good unless they would enjoy themselves the spiritual benefits and take him as their bread of life. And Jesus said things to people around them that, so that they wouldn't miss the most important benefit he is, and that is to light them into the next life, and to be their light in in darkness and to save them. All right, the language here, John 12, 35, and 36. Listen to this. Let's remember this for ourselves if we're not accepted Christ or for others that we're trying to work on. Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. It's like Jesus is saying, "Hey, I'm with you. I'm here. I'm speaking. This is light. It's like take advantage of it while it's here. If you don't, uh, darkness is is it, until what this language is. Less darkness come upon you. When I accept Christ, I have light. If I stay rejecting Christ, I'm in the dark constantly. Spiritually, I'm in the dark." Until I accept Christ, and I'm in the light, regardless of my economics, regardless of my health, regardless of my relationships, I have light once I accept Christ. Look at verse 36. While you have light, believe in the light, that you may be the children of light. Do understand that? I was talking to a guy today about that. He said... Um, he was telling about a brother or friend and he said we'd give him the gospel and he seemed to be open to it and then then he got married and had a kid and it's like you talked to him again he was just like further down the road of just like numbness and darkness because he kept saying no, no, no to the light. The dial is the time to accept Christ. Remember these verses in Second Corinthians? Go here Second Corinthians 6 and we'll be winding this up here in a little bit 2 Corinthians 6, and we've often say this, and sometimes I hear people pray this, in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2, about opportunity to be saved. He saith, for he saith, 2 Corinthians 6, 2, I have heard thee in an accepted time, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee, supported thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now. If I'm, if, I'm, if I'm hearing the gospel and I'm, I am I know that Christ is working on my heart, and now, now accept Him. Now believe on Him. Don't let it get away from you. You may not have that opportunity again. So God delivered Ben-Hadad. Actually, there was two battles. But certainly this third moment of meeting him in the chariot and he them, "Just kind of let go. Maybe he was busy in his mind, here and there, busy in his." And the guy went, and he never likely saw him again. But he saw some of his soldiers, and a, an arrow killed him. So, I, you know, a lot of this stuff where they, God help, make me. That's what we pray to ourselves tonight. Pray for ourselves, Lord. Make me wise for the opportunities of life. Make me wise in regards to my children. Regards to doing good, and you know, all these points are right here. Say, God, make me wise. I don't I want to redeem the time. Let's pray together.